uh, God's attributes. And uh, we're going to go further along. And right where we left off last week, we were talking on God's sovereignty. We have talked about, you know, God's internality that he's always been. You know, that time, as we know it, begin with, begins with God, right? But he just always been. We just can't fully comprehend that. He's always been, amen? But right, he's been forever and ever. And God, in their wise counsel and determinate knowledge, chose to one day start to create all of creation. Everything we see or don't see that exists apart from God, God created. Amen? And he is over all things, and that's the sovereignty, right? And not only does he, when we looked at that, does he have all power, you know, and that all, all other power that there is, you know, is just relegated from God. You know, there'd be no power. We, we won't even, right, we live and move and have our being in him, but by him all things hold together. So if he took his power away, if he, he took it away, it's just like he gave life, and for our life to stop, he just stops giving it anymore. I mean, it, to the extent is, to me, that just really hits me when you really think of that. That's rather profound. He just stops giving it. You know, but uh, that he has all power. But look at the sovereignty of God that not only did he create everything, not only does he have all power, not only, you know, has he reigned, as some will teach, many will teach. This has been an ongoing thing that, well, okay, he created everything, but now, you know, everything just goes on and God kind of reacts to what people are doing or to what's going on. No, and we we've talked about that. We looked at that last week, right? That he sovereignly rules, absolute power, absolute control over everything and everyone that he created. And we looked at a lot of Bible passages that told that spoke of that. And I just uh, want us to look at a few more because there'd be some that say, "Well, okay, he has acted in certain times, in certain major events." He has overridden uh, man's will, you know, for, to, in order for his determinate counsel to come to pass. But I want us to look at a few others right now, you know, before we go on to it. And when we talked about, if you remember, we looked at Ephesians 1, and though we traditionally talk about, we can turn there real, real quick. Okay, go to Ephesians 1. Because that's really important. It gives us a real good foundation when we're talking about God's absolute sovereignty. But in Ephesians 1.11, okay, in whom, in Christ, also we have attained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. Now, of course, in the whole context of this, we understand that they're further strengthening the argument about, right, our salvation, that it was, we were predestinated to be his, right? But also in the course of that, we can look and we taught and we showed there's many other scriptures that back this up. No, all things, all things happen according to the purpose of him who works all things after the counsel of his own will. And then just really quick over that, when we looked at that, we looked at those four words, you know, 
his counsel, his will, his purpose, and his predestination. Right? So they, in before the foundation of the world, before they created anything, they counseled between themselves, the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and then they came up with their decision on what they were going to do, and it's all encompassing, and then they started carrying it, carrying it out. Carrying it out. And we looked at many scriptures that had to do with that. But I want to look at the things when it talks about all things. We talk about that's all encompassing. You know, all encompassing, that's why he knows the end from the beginning, since he decreed it all. They purposed it all. So, you know, that counsel and that predetermination, right, covers all things. But let's just take a look when that all things. You know, he's in control of all things. That it also means weather, animals, what we would, might think is random events, the affairs of man. And we'll just look at a few scripture passages right away. <clears throat> Concerning, you know, God's rule over it all, if, he, you know, if it would seem to be that, you know, the scripture seemed to, what does scripture itself teach us about his activity amongst his creation to this present day. Go to Psalms 148. I'll get there in just a moment here. And we're just going to look at some, you know, of course, I always say, it, literally, these are just snippets. The Bible, as we've gone about it, and anyone that's ever been here for any length of time knows there is scripture everywhere everywhere shows and speaks and you can see God's sovereignty. But in Psalm 148.8, you know, well, it, we'll read a little of that because I bought it in the other time too and it starts out, right, Psalm 148.1, Praise ye the Lord, praise ye the Lord from the heavens, praise him in the heights, praise ye him all his angels, praise ye him all his hosts, Praise ye him, sun and moon. Praise him, all ye stars of light. Praise him, ye heavens of heavens, and ye waters that be above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded. So everything he just mentioned, all the host, all the angels, all creation, right? The sun, the moon, the stars, right? Let them all praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded, and they created. He hath also established him forever and ever. He hath made a decree which shall not pass. Right, that predetermined counsel. He made the decree. He spoke it. They determined the way things are going to be, the way things are going to be carried out, and it shall be. Right? But drop down there to verse 8. Fire and hail, snow and vapors, stormy wind. What are all those doing? Fulfilling his word. All fulfilling his word. Go on, let's uh, turn real quick to Job 37. Let's go back, go back uh, one book there to Job 37. And Job 37, beginning in, in verse 5. God thundereth marvelously with his voice. Great things doeth he, which we cannot comprehend. If I cannot stress enough, on this doctrine, when we delve into it, 
the sovereignty of God, that he has determined all that comes to pass, right? Yet, and we're going to take a look at that, but I want to stretch this down first. Yet, we are still responsible for everything we do, because the most important thing is how does this react to our decisions and what turns about in our lives, right? Remember that, which we cannot comprehend. We cannot fully comprehend this, but we can, we can you know, learn from what Scripture teaches us. Verse 6, For he saith to the snow, right God, be thou on the earth, likewise to the small rain, and to the great rain of his strength. You know, whether it's just a little drizzle enough to water the crops, or whether it's a great downpour, right? Drop down. Verse 8, Then the beasts go into dens, and remain in their places. Out of the south cometh the whirlwind, and cold out of the north. By the breath of God, frost is given, and the breath of the waters is straightened. Also by watering, he weareth the thick cloud, he scattereth his bright cloud. And it is turned round about by his counsels. What he has determined by his counsels. <clears throat> that they may do whatsoever he commandeth them upon the face of the world and the earth. And here's another important part. You know, you hear a lot of times and you see these so-called false teachers, you read all these books, they talk... You know, when something happens somewhere, especially if it was something, you know, horrendous, like let's say a hurricane or a blizzard and, and people suffered or whatever, right? Oh, that was judgment. That was whatever it is. Well, he tells us in verse 13, he causes it to come. Whether for correction or for his land or for mercy. Hearken unto this, O Job, or hearken unto this, O my children. Stand still. And consider the wondrous work of God. You know, when we, when we think of that, right? Like, you know, we can even look now, maybe determine, okay, here's what, uh, you know, his weatherman, here's what causes, uh, you know, a tornado, right? But how does it ever come to be in the first place? All by the power of God. Remember when Jesus stood up in the boat and just spoke? Spoke to the wind? Everything was calm. That wasn't just, well, okay, he acted and he, he changed things at that moment. No, according to this, that's the way it always is. It's the way it always was. That's the way it always will be. <clears throat> okay, I want to take a look at what about animals? Job 38. Let's go on one, one, one chapter there. For, uh, Job 38, beginning in 39. Wilt thou hunt the prey for the lion? Or fill the appetite of the young lions? You know, I mean, will you feed them? When they couch in their dens and abide in the covert to lie in wait? Who provided for the raven his food when his young ones cry unto God? They wonder for lack of meat. And he goes on, Knowest all the time of the wild goats of the rock bring forth? What's he saying? I bring it to pass. I feed them. Right, well, thou hunt the prey for the lion. These are all rhetorical. Remember, this is when God is, Job, throughout the book of Job, right, here and there and there, right, he kept questioning. He wanted some answers. He didn't understand what was happening to him. And now God's answering him here, right, and all these questions that he cannot answer. 
but God puts him out there anyway. To this day, he's not answered him, except in, I'm in control. Remember Job's answer. Go to, go to the end of Job. Right? And Job, beginning in 42, verse 1, Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that thou canst do everything, and that no thought can be withheld from thee. Who is he that hath a counsel without knowledge? Here he is rebuked at the beginning in that. Who's this that, you know, speaks knowledge, you know, without understanding? But therefore have I uttered that I understood not things too wonderful for me, which I knew not. Right? Verse 5, I heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye seeth thee. Wherefore I bore myself and repent in dust and ashes. And then the Lord says unto Job's friends, right? Job is speaking what was right of me. Job misunderstood. He, first of all, he wanted answers to things that he had no right to an answer for. But also, he thought he knew things that he didn't. He uttered things that he did not, you know, that he, he didn't know. And there's where a lot of false teaching and a lot of misunderstandings of confusion comes from. We, we, we just want these answers that know that God doesn't give. And we, in our finite, limited minds, cannot understand because we're not God. But he shows us that he's in absolute power and he moves those things. So now we see that from the beginning of time to this present day, the way it's always been, God controls all the activities of weather, of nature. We see him that he feeds the animals. But I want us to look at a few more concerning those animals. Go to Matthew chapter 6. You know, this isn't just in the, New, in the Old Testament. Matthew chapter 6, he, he wants us to know these things in the New Testament also. Matthew chapter 6. They're very familiar to us, but sometimes maybe we read right past them. Verse, starting in verse 25, Matthew 6. Therefore I say unto you, Take no thought for your life, what you shall eat, what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat, and the body than raiment? You know, he's saying, that you, you know, not that we shouldn't be wise, or we work, we want to provide, right? We want to eat. We know that, what he's saying. Don't fret and think, you know, you can't have these things, right? Verse 26, Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Now, we understand that, right? They go out, they find their worm or whatever it is, right? But what, what does he say right there? It is, your father feeds them. <clears throat> Are you not much better than they? You know, drop down to 28. Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God... So clothe the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast in the oven. Shall he not more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Uh, my point is that it's interesting. He talks about God like clothed in grass. But you read throughout Scripture, you know, we could go in there and spend all kinds of time, but you go to just Job and in Psalms and in Proverbs, and you'll find numerous passages, numerous passages that talk about him sending, for instance, he sends the water upon the desolate land, you know, where no one lives. Why? For the life that's there, the animal and plant life that's there. Right? God does what he does. He's in control of everything. But what's interesting, go on to Matthew 10. 
Matthew 10, verse 29. <clears throat> Matthew 10, 29. Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? And one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father. What is he saying there? Apart from our father's will, not even a sparrow dies. It's a simple thing of that. Then he goes on, you know, that's why he says in verse 30, but the very hairs of your head are all numbered. In other words, he's being a little rhetorical here, right? He knows us intimately. He's acquainted with all our ways. He created us. He formed us in the womb. Right? Fear ye not, therefore. Right? Fear ye not, therefore. You are more value than many sparrows. In other words, right? Why fear? He's in control of everything. Not even a sparrow. Once a sparrow's days are numbered, the day, day he dies, that's in God's will. It's not apart from it. It doesn't just happen. It doesn't just happen. You know, those things are hard to comprehend. Let's go back to the Old Testament, Psalm 104. Psalm 104. Okay. Starting in verse... Okay, this is good. Starting in verse 21. Psalm 104, verse 21. The young lions roar after their prey and seek their meat from God. The sun rises... They gather themselves together, right, these lines, and lay them down in their dens, right? Man goeth forth into his work and to his labor until the evening. O Lord, how manifold are thy works. In wisdom thou hast thou made them all. All the earth is full of thy riches. So is this great and wide sea, wherein are things creeping innumerable, both small and great beast. There go the ships, there is that Leviathan, whom thou hast made to play therein. So everything he just mentioned, the men, the Leviathan, right, the young lions, these wait all upon thee, that thou mayest give them their meat in due seasons, that thou givest them they gather, thou openest thy hand, they are filled with good, thou hidest thy face, they are troubled, thou takest away their breath, they die, and return to their dust. Right? I mean, you know, think of how powerful all those things are right there. Like We can't comprehend it. Yes, uh, for instance, we go out, we have our jobs, right? We go out, we, we get money, right? We go to the store, we buy our food. You know, back in the day, they you know, used to go hunting and, you know, or grow it right from the Whatever it is. In the end, it's God in control of that. God who determines, are you going to have a harvest? Are you going to have that job? Are you going to have that money? You know, when we pray, Lord, give us this day our daily bread, are we just saying that? Do we understand that he's given us the power to get well? He's given us the power to eat. He's given us the power to get everything we have. He gives it to us, or he withholds it, like he did unto Job. It's all, it's all of God. Okay. Now when we look at that, when we look at, okay, so weather, animals. How about I just want to go into random events? You know, things that just seem to happen by chance, like, well, how did that happen? You know, whatever it is. Let's go to Proverbs 16. 
I, I love this one. It's really, it's really interesting. Nope, oh, Proverbs 30. I was going backwards there. Right ahead of Psalms there. Proverbs 16, <clears throat> verse 33. The lot is cast into the lap. You know, like they're deciding, let's say make a decision. A bunch of us get together and decide, okay, uh, one of us is going to go out and shovel the snow. We'll draw lots. The person who gets the the you know the 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 longest piece goes out and does it. Right, it, it, the casting of lots, right? Completely random. You know, the lot is cast in the lap, but the whole disposing thereof is of the Lord. So even though we're to our understanding in that. Right, you know, it's it's just some chance thing, right? Whether you're uh, throwing dice, whatever is going to come out, right? The whole disposing of whatever the batter is is of the Lord. <clears throat> but now let's look into the main thing: how it how it how it should affect us, the affairs of man. Right. Let's go to Jeremiah. Well, actually, just stay, just go ahead to Proverbs. Actually, let's go back for a moment to Proverbs 16. Still in 16. 1, verse 1. The preparations of the heart in man and the answer of the tongue. I, I, I want us to pay attention there, right? So, the preparations of the heart in man. Right? The way they're forming themselves, thinking their opinion deep down, and the answer of the tongue, the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. Wow. I mean, that's astonishing when you think of when you think of the other side that says, well, he sometimes intervenes in that, but he's given us free will. You know, because that he, he wants his creatures to have free will. He's not going to exercise his authority and override their free will. Well, the preparation of the heart man and the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. Let's go on. Let's see. What else does it say? Verse 9, same chapter. A man's heart devises his way. So we might be devising, thinking of something, whatever it is. But the Lord directs his steps. He might be thinking he's planning something. We have some kind of idea in our heart to think, oh, we're going to do whatever it is. But the Lord directs his steps. The Lord leads him. Okay. Go on to Proverbs 20. Proverbs 20, verse 24. <laughs> I love this, but man's goings, right? His goings, ins, comings, outs, or comings and goings are of the Lord. How can a man then understand his own way? Right? Go on to Proverbs 21. First one. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord as the rivers of water. Good metaphor there comparing, right? So, as the rivers of water, how is the king's heart in the hands of the Lord? He turns it whithersoever he will. Whatever the Lord, whatever the Lord wants that king to do, whatever the Lord wants that nation to do, he gets a hold of that ruler and he causes it to happen. What's going on here in this country? 
The Lord's a hold of the powers that be, and he's directing it as whatsoever he desires, whatsoever he has purposed to happen. Right? I mean, it's just, it's really amazing. Let, let's just go on keeping, you know, in uniform. I like that, you know, like scripture upon scripture, but go to Psalms 33. I should say back to Psalms, but Psalms 33. Psalms 33, verse 14. Yep, 14 and 15. But I trusted in thee, O Lord. I said, thou art my God. Am I in the right place? No, I'm not, sorry. Psalms 33, I'm reading. Okay, Psalm 33, 14. From the place of his habitation, right, the Lord, right, of his habitation, he looketh upon all the inhabitants of the earth. All. He fashioneth their hearts alike. He considers all their works. There is no king saved by the multitude of a host. A mighty man is not delivered by much strength. A horse is a vain thing for safety. Neither shall he deliver any by his great strength. Right? And what are all those things he's saying, right? Why is he saying that? Right? The Lord determines the outcome. The Lord determines the outcome. That's why, go up a little bit, right? When he says in verse 9, For he spake and it was done, he commanded and it stood fast. The Lord brings the counsel of the heathen to naught. Right? The, the heathen's counsel, the ungodly's counsel, might be what, whatever it is. If it would be against what the Lord has already purposed, it comes to naught. It will not happen that way. He makes the devices of the people of none effect. They can purpose whatever they want against him, against his people. If it's not according to his will, it comes to naught. That's why the counsel of the Lord stands forever. The thoughts of his heart to all generations were forever and ever. Right? He decreed a decree, and it shall not pass. Okay. Elsewhere, though, in the affairs of man... Two other, two other passages I want us to look at. Go to 1 Corinthians. First Corinthians chapter 4. 1 <coughs> Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. For who maketh thee to differ from another? And what hast thou that thou didst not receive? Now, if you did receive it, why dost thou glory as if thou had not received it? But you understand that too, we can really, really pass that, what he's saying, right? Who maketh thee to differ from another? Whatever differences you have, whatever you are, whatever you're doing, whatever gifts you have, whatever abilities you have, they're from God. So if someone has something or can do something you can't do, you can do something someone else can't do, it's God. Be careful not to glory, but give glory unto God, right? So another place, Philippians chapter 2. And like I said, there's, there's so many, right? There, there, there's so many, but the, there's just a, a nice little sampling here. We talked about several of them 
actually several verses that touch on the same things in the first in the in our, our last three weeks together. But also look at Philippians chapter two, verse thirteen. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So especially in the hearts of his people. That's a promise to us, right? That's why, you know, he says, you know, do all things without murmuring. They're right in the middle of their 13. That's why it's good, you know, when we read things, let us not just read it for the sake of reading, but also pray that we can sit back and, Lord, help, help me better understand these things. Help me to rest and meditate and think deeper on these things. You know, to get to know him better. But just think of how much of a comfort that is that he's at work in us, performing his good pleasure. Now, with all of that, you know, and we talked about last time, we'll go there, but if you remember in Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 4, speaking of the crucifixion of our Lord Jesus Christ. And actually, let's turn it real quick, but this is really good to understand. Again, it's just so powerful, not just in everything, but God's absolute sovereignty. But in Acts chapter 2, because sometimes we can read very past things sometimes and not fully understand, get everything out of its application. Okay. <clears throat> First, Acts 2. Right? 20, starting in 22. Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Okay, that's an indictment. Hear these words. He's bringing up, this is very important here. Right? Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as you yourselves also know, him being delivered by the determinate counsel, right? Absolutely determinate, resolute, resolved counsel from the decree that was decreed before the foundation of the world, right? And foreknowledge of God. That's what all those things mean. They all come together in that. You have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. That's an indictment. And they were responsible for the sin they committed. They were responsible for the murder of Jesus. But it was a determinate plan of God for it to happen. Yet they were responsible for what they did to him. And a few decades later, Jerusalem was raised to the ground. The temple was down to the ground, never to be rebuilt. As punishment, as it was prophesied, right? They rejected him. But think about that. They rejected him. He came to his own and they rejected him. Go to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. <laughs> Starting in verse 26. The kings of the earth stood up, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For of a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed. 
Okay, remember, this is a charge, right? Both Herod, right? Leader, right? A leader. And Pontius Pilate, name by name, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were all gathered together. So he's saying, all of you are to blame. This chart, this is indictment against all of you. But what? For to do whatsoever thy hand, right? God's hand, and thy counsel determined before to be done. Yet they are responsible for what they did. Now, if they're responsible for the most heinous sin committed in all of human history, don't you think we're also responsible in that? For the little decisions we make? Do something, don't do something? You know, there's so many things. Uh, I, we're, running, we're running on time. I don't know if one, one of, uh, Does anyone have any questions or maybe thoughts about it? Okay, I don't want you up more. I, I want to go into because I like this. I, I, I want to get into next week, and, and we're going to do it. But I want us to think on these things. Okay, we see that, you know, man is responsible. Maybe over the course of the week, because we're going to take a look at him, look at Isaiah chapter 10. And in Isaiah chapter 10, it talks about how he takes the king of Assyria, puts it on his heart, to carry out his determined purpose. The king of Syria has no idea he's doing God's will. Right? He thinks he's doing his own. He carries out God's will. He was God's instrument. And then God punishes him for everything he just did. They were doing God's will. They carried it out. God punished him for everything they just did. They're the, in, in both, both the things are in the same chapter. God's sovereign will, man's responsibility for what we do. No explanation given to help us understand how this can be so. Okay. Also, if you think of John chapter 3 and John chapter 6, take a look at those and read that. We are born again according to the Father's good will and purpose. And you cannot be born again. We don't know how it happens just because we know God's chosen us, but the wind blows where it listeth. No one knows. We can't, we, we can't discern how this happens. Right? So is everyone born of the Spirit. Right? No one, comes to, no one comes to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ except God has determined it to be so. And yet, they're all held responsible for what they do in those aspects. But I'll finish that with, I'll finish this with this, uh, some things to, something to, for us to ponder. That is this, I just kind of wrote it down on my thoughts so I don't forget anything, but, you know, one approach to these passages about God working in our lives, in, in all lives, right, of his absolute sovereignty, is to say that our own choices to be real, they cannot be caused by God, or they're not real, right? Well, 
But the overwhelming number of passages that affirm and clearly show God's providential control are impossible to honestly deny. You cannot honestly read those scriptures like we just did and many others like them and come to any of the conclusion that the scriptures obviously say that he has, he has in the past, he has in now in the present, he will always in the future control all the affairs of all his creation. Okay? You cannot honestly deny that. But what scripture teaches is that God works in such a way that he causes all things to happen, but does so in such a way that he upholds our ability to make willing, responsible choices that have real and eternal results and for which we are accountable. We'll receive rewards or we won't receive rewards, for instance. We're accountable for everything we do. Even after we're saved, we're still accountable. Exactly how God does this, Scripture doesn't tell us. It just doesn't. No one's ever, no one's been able to figure this out. It's a conundrum. It's a paradox. But no man has ever. And so many false teachings and so much confusion has always been in the church and existed in that, with wrestling with that one thing, right? Okay, the absolute sovereignty of God in our responsibility. If God causes all things to happen, then do my actions matter? Yes. They have real consequences. They have real results, right? And we're held accountable for what we do and don't do, right? Depending, right? But everyone's held accountable. These massive amounts of, of, of scriptural proof show that it's not the occasional thing that God intervenes in. It's not the occasional thing that God overrides free will. Man has no free will. Man will freely do what he desires to do according to God's will and purpose. But even us who are saved, he willingly chose us. He revealed his son to us. We're born again of the spirit, right? But it wasn't our choice. But now we follow him. And I read in Philippians. He's at work in us, both to do and to will of his good pleasure, right? To do those good works that he created beforehand for us to do. Not good things he created beforehand, right? Good works. So even things in the future that we're going to do, he's already got them prepared. You know, it just shows absolutely throughout all of Scripture. And it's something that, let's just say, we have, and I, I believe them to be dear brethren that disagree with these things, but the Scriptures is overwhelming. The Scriptures are overwhelming. It's just we cannot fully comprehend it. But like those Scriptures we read, you know, in Job, things too wonderful for me. You know, Job, David talks about it. Paul talks about it. <sighs> things are just too wonderful for me. I mean, they're above me, right? God is God. We are his creatures. Our understanding is finite. His is not. But we can rest in him and trust in him and be content and be joyful and be at peace knowing that our God who created us, created everything, is in control of everything, it says, relax, I have a purpose, I am in control, nothing is going to come upon you that you cannot bear. 
where I will give you the necessary strength to get through it. I'll pull you out of it. I'll give you the strength to go through it. Whatever. Whatever his will is to do so. And, you know, that, that's something when people ask. And I get this, and I'm not trying to be rude or anything, but, like, we've been taught and brought up in a generation where, and we've had people accuse us here, right, that, well, hey, I'd like you to give me some application. Give me some, how do I apply that to my life? How does that affect me in present day life? How can it not affect you? The doctrine itself is up just knowing it. That's application. Trust God. God is in control. <laughs> I mean, how much more of reassurance, you know, we sing that song here, and I, I trail to Mike, it should be, it should be like our slogan for our, our congregation here, right? That's it, you know, uh, that's, you know, uh, what more can he say, right? I've given, what's the song I'm thinking? <laughs> you know, when, when we talk about, you know, God giving us his word. Oh, you know, what more can he say, right? What more positive things do we have is faith, right, in his word, right? He's given us his word to ground us, to settle us, to shape us, to transform us. To bring us up rivers of living water growing in us, right? To put on that new man which has, which is, has been created and is inside of us, that new man created in righteousness and true holiness, and bringing it out as we grow to know him and all about him and all of truth and dispelling the lies, right? And not being confused in that, but how does it work, right? Knowing he is in absolute control, knowing who he is, right? The more and more we knew that, the more and more we love him, the more and more we're perfected in love, the more and more we have less fear. It just brings contentment, peace, and joy. You know, and just that calmness. When he says throughout Scripture, and even telling Peter, even to the point of, if he's called you to suffer for my sake, it's an example. We can rest in him. He has a purpose, and he won't allow it to go beyond what you're able to bear. Maybe momentarily you might feel like you can't bear it, but he says, no, you can. So, do we have any last comments or any questions? Mike. You know, I just want to bring back, you know, one more thing, and then we are done. You know, well, we might do that to you guys all the time, don't we? But I just can't help think, you know, sometimes we just overlook it, right? We, we can just read past stuff and not take the time to really, you, you, really when we think about it, meditate on it, and let it impact you. But, you know, as you just said about Paul, think about Joseph, and we talked about that. You know, a few hundred years before Joseph was even born, God told Abraham, your seed, which ended up being Jacob and all the, all the people of Israel, would come into a foreign land, right? We know it's Egypt. He, they'd come there. Well, think what he brings up Joseph. He, he moves upon Joseph's brothers, right? To have him sold into slavery in Egypt, right? 
He, he, he moves in the hands that then he is weighed again and thrown into prison. And then for a time to be tested and tried until the word of God came into effect, until the timing was right, the moment God decided, had chosen already. Then he raises him up to be the most powerful man in all of Egypt. In that time, he could say the second most powerful man in all the world, just under Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And then he sends a famine throughout the whole land, the whole known world, drives Israel to him. They had no idea. And there they would stay for 400 years until God's over. All of that he, he prophesied, right? You want to show the control of the lives of men. You know, I, I forgot to say one other thing. When we read about the crucifixion, now think of that. These people don't want to say, well, no, no, man has free will and everything. Really? All the Israelites, hmm, all the Israelites chose, crucify him, crucify him. The Gentiles, crucify him, crucify him. Pontius Pilate, wash your hands. He could have had him delivered. Herod, send him a Pontius Pilate. He could have had him delivered. All of them carried out God's purpose. They are all held responsible for every choice they made that led up to it. Yet it was God's determined will that it all came about. With that, let's close in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you so much. We thank you so much that you have adopted us as your children, that we are yours. And we thank you so much that you've given us your word, which is truth, to know you and to know the truth. And that as we read your word, you want us to know you, and you want us to know and take a hold of those promises and, and build us up and transform us, Lord. And we thank you so much for that. Lord, may we, by your grace, by understanding you know, your word, by your power, Lord, have truly rest in you, as it says, that we find our joy in you, that our true fulfillment is all in you. Lord, be glorified amongst your people. And Lord, we pray for the service, Lord, the same thing. Lord, may you be with the preacher as he preaches, Lord. May he diminish in you, in your name, and your word be increased, Lord. Lord, may your word that goes forth, Lord, have it's desired effect which you purposed when you spoke it in the lives of your people. And if there be any sheep that is still have not that are still lost, Lord, we pray that the word spoken, Lord, would come to take root and grow into a harvest, some thirty, some sixty, some a hundred full, whatever it be, Lord, that they would, that it would bear fruit and they would be saved, Lord, under your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.